0: Hello, and thank you for listening to Episco Auburn. My name is Gail Goldsmith. I'm a priest at Holy Trinity Episcopal Church, serving the college ministry and the parish. We're following in the tradition of the Apostle Paul's pastoral letters to specific communities. This is a pandemic adaptation, and I miss you. But also, if you're curious about what we do and how we gather, I hope this is useful to you too. I'm very excited to have somebody else to talk to as we record this. Philip, would you mind introducing yourself, saying a little bit um, about who you are and where you are? Yeah.
1: Um, Hello, Holy Trinity College Ministry and uh, listeners of the podcast. Um, My name is Philip McCallan. I'm a graduate of Auburn University um, and a a part-time parishioner here at Holy Trinity uh, since this is my hometown as well. Um, I was a staff singer here and the director of the the, uh, college choral group at Holy Trinity, While I was a student and now I'm at Indiana University uh, getting a master's degree in vocal performance at the Jacobs School of Music and I'm a staff singer at Trinity Episcopal Church in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh,
0: I think we've used the phrase Holy Trinity diaspora before. There we go. All right, so we're going to look at um, We're going to continue in Acts looking starting at Acts 26 and continuing through 922. We're going to talk about Philip and we're gonna talk about Paul's conversion. Very excited, unfortunately, to make a two Phillips, two Furious joke. Here we go. All right, so starting with 826, what, what stands out to you about this story?
1: So the whole thing is is kind of brought on by Saul, this whole situation in his, his persecution so the apostles have fled Jerusalem uh, and so Philip is going to Gaza um, and so this kind of conversion story is kind of laid in Philip's lap um, so to speak when he goes out into the road and he meets this Ethiopian eunuch um, and the eunuch just, just straight up asks him who is this prophet that you're, you're preaching about like I want to know more um, and so this whole thing like goes on and then like they're in the, the chariot or the carriage together and the eunuch says, Hey, I see this well. And you've talked to me about baptism and I'm, I'm really like believing in this Jesus movement stuff. Will you baptize me? And so Philip's like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> like, let's go. Um, and it turns out that the eunuch, um, is a servant to the, the queen of, uh, of Ethiopia. She's, uh, the Cushites uh, is the, the tribe there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how the Christianity gets put into Africa uh, further in than just Egypt, so it's really cool to see that.
0: Yeah, if you uh, haven't already look up the uh, look up the church in Ethiopia, um, Tewahedo, really beautiful liturgies and amazing praise and it's really it's really wonderful to think that this begins um, with someone recognizing. With someone recognizing the heart of Christianity, because he's not reading, uh, he's reading the Suffering Servant passages from Isaiah. This is, there's no, um, there's no try there's no personal human triumphalism to be had here. You're not going to have these verses, um, oh, emblazoned on a graduation gift, or um, this is not, this is not a sweet devotional. This is, um suffering and God's faithfulness. And just the, the that that is what converts him. I think that's a really powerful testimony.
1: Yeah, and I mean he, he carries that with him where he goes. And that it's uh, something that powerful from the prophet Isaiah. And then Philip just experiencing all of this has just happened with Jesus, um, to really kind of set this in and, and say, This is what this means, this is what I'm about, and I want you to know about it too. Is really just something cool, and then it finds one of the the oldest churches in the world. Um, the Ethiopian Church was like founded as a nation in the fourth century, mm-hmm. which is far before the Roman Empire. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also really it always strikes me that a contemporary audience reading this, um, a contemporary audience reading Acts, would know that. Um, the road to Jerusalem, to Gaza, they would know what that looks like. But readers now hear, this is a desert road. I, I hear that. I hear that emotionally and that two people meeting in an emotional and physical desert and, um, experiencing the gift of the Holy spirit in baptism and this just unlikely, um, unlikely meeting that only God foresaw. Um, that's really powerful desert stuff.
1: And I feel like we're, we're kind of on our own desert road in the, the given circumstances that we're in right now. And so the, the church as a whole is trying to find the ways of, of having that, that meeting that we mm-hmm. wouldn't expect. And so I, I think it's cool that we're adapting and we're making our homes more of the church than we are the actual building. Mm-hmm. Um, and just finding ways to meet people where they are. And I think that's really something that's, that's cool throughout this um, time of struggle.
0: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, let's talk, let's talk about the eunuch at, you know, I kind of wish, I kind of wish he got a name. Um, but I think this is, this is significant to hear. Um, especially like you were saying in this, in this time when, you know, if, if you are a person who by, um, Circumstance is currently healthy. Uh, when I worked as a hospital chaplain, we would always say, "You know, you're only like one left turn or like a cell mutation away." Um, sort of like health is health is a temporary illusion. Um, this would have been like understood as a like quasi-ritual, quasi-political state in his body. And we have in um Deuteronomy the exclusion of eunuchs from the temple, and then later in the book of Isaiah, which he is reading, um, that welcome, that welcome back in and I think that's that's just a really beautiful parallel that we hear echoed here, this like you may have been excluded once, but you are you are welcome, and then not only are you welcome, but you will. You will lead, and you are an apostle now too.
1: And I think that's something that translates in today, especially in the Episcopal Church, with our our motto that is "All are welcome," um, and we really try and strive to wherever you are, wherever you're at, mm-hmm. no matter who you are or or how you feel. We want you to be here, no mm-hmm. matter the the circumstances that you're in, um, and we and trying to meet you at where you're at um so i think that's that's something that really from this translates into the the mission of the church today
0: yeah i think i i struggle a little bit with okay i got to phrase this carefully yes all are welcome and everything you said about meeting people where they are is absolutely true but uh you know the presiding bishop has this this great line that he uses frequently like god will meet you where you are but he's not going to leave you there and i think this is this is the case for that. And I kind of wish the Episcopal Church went for more of the second version mm-hmm. of that line than all are welcome because, yeah, all are welcome. Okay, what next? Where are we going? Right. We're in the bus now. Well, because
1: we're, we're scared of the big E word, which is evangelism. Um, and coming from a Southern <laughs> Baptist background, I mean, that's all we're about is evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's going on the two different extremes, and I think there's... A, a sense of like being afraid to over evangelize to where we push people away. Oh yes, and that's why we're kind of hesitant to like push forward from the just the the base all are welcome because mm-hmm. um, we don't want people to to be overwhelmed and then be like okay maybe not.
0: And look, we're in Alabama; like we wouldn't even want to be rude.
1: Right? Yeah, southern. It's, it's all about southern politeness. You can't you can't overstep your bounds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think. I think what what we see by always going back to like a biblical definition of evangelism or also scary, discipleship, don't tell me what to do um, is that hurtful definitions, hurtful cultural definitions of these words are not how these concepts originated and they don't get to be the final word and we can't let people take these wonderful concepts of wanting to share, um, wanting to share a life transformed by Jesus. We can't let someone like co-opt or take that take that away from us. Um, you know, don't. You know, you don't want to be so scared of. Um, you don't want to be scared to offer comfort to somebody in the desert. All right, let's look next at the beginning of chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. What an auspicious beginning. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Let's go from there.
1: Oh, my goodness. This is like... One of the most terrifying passages of scripture to read, in, in many senses, because of the persecution, but also just how Jesus suddenly just shows up on the road to Damascus, blinds Saul, mm-hmm. and then just confronts him straight up. Um, and I think that's just so much. Like for me, if I was in that situation, I just would be terrified. Yeah, um, to even move, to even think, to even speak, um, and, and just what a. A definition of of grace in that moment, too.
0: Yeah, this is just absolute bodily like fear. Just I'm sure frozen to the spot. Um, I was thinking I was thinking about uh, like the the TV show The Good Place, and it, it one of the points it makes is that you know as it tallies up like however many points per um, moral wrong or bad action. Is that we don't always see the effect, sort of like the butterfly effect of using, say, like a plastic bag, and we we see here Saul gets confronted, you know, with the with the, the face, light, and just um, amazing presence of Jesus, saying, "I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting." Yeah, like here is here is this supernatural confrontation yeah um.
1: and in a way he's getting like contract with the entire trinity in this process mm. too because um, out in the conversion it is like God who struck him with blindness mm-hmm. and then it is Jesus who meets him and then through the power of the Holy Spirit of Ananias coming in and lifting the, the blindness off of Saul um, oh. the, it's the impact of the Trinity that's all through this, and I think that kind of sets in the faith even more
0: mm-hmm.
1: with Paul, um, because he is he's experienced the entire Trinity through this, this circumstance.
0: I love that. Yeah, and he goes on he goes on his way filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a that's a big phrase and theme for Acts. I love that. Experiences yeah. the whole Trinity. All right. So what? Um, what do you make of the being? What do you make of the being struck blind?
1: I think that's so Paul can finally like have tunnel vision in a way, even though he has no vision, mm-hmm. because he's in, he's so blinded by his mission from uh, from uh, the I guess the the Jewish religion and the Jewish background that he has, um, trying to to stamp out this this heresy that is christianity um against the jewish faith and i think since he's got tunnel vision from that mission um that's god's way of saying hey wake up
0: yeah and he'll he describes himself as a pharisee among pharisees like this is a tremendously um learned scholarly um knowledgeable and passionate in his convictions guy and this I don't think it's going too far to say that leads to like uh, an inner sense of control and righteousness yeah. so I can only imagine you know if that is what had been fueling him having to depend having to depend on other people the, the men who were traveling with him and then Ananias um, getting the call that he does I yeah. that's another instance of what must have been what must have been like bodily fear. Like, oh, you want me to go see who? <laughs> uh, Will Willeman, a Methodist, um, I think, yeah, Methodist bishop has, has this great line that he preaches about, you know, Jesus says you have to love whoever I dragged in.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, Ananias faced a very real threat from Saul before Jesus.
1: But Saul comes from this this background of like the the fair Jews, which is like a very strict, law based, very learned area, and so mm-hmm. that goes and like it kind of correlates into how he is he's going to be as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, because he is very law based as a Christian. He is very straightforward in, in what he believes and and how he kind of enforces it, not as strict as Saul did mm-hmm. um, but still very rigid, very orderly um, in that way um, and I think that kind of goes into like God calls the unqualified to mm-hmm. do his work and that goes all the way back to the Old Testament with Moses and Joseph mm-hmm. um, but then it goes into the New Testament with St. Paul um, and so his background is astounding um, just because of his Jewish upbringing but also he's a Roman citizen mm-hmm. um, so that gives him a power that the others don't have, the other apostles yeah. don't have. Um, he speaks Aramaic, so he speaks to the common people, but he also speaks Greek, so he speaks to the Roman elite of that world. Um, and so even though he's unqualified in his actions as Saul, the way he was raised is kind of like this perfect tool that goes into who he is as Christian and that like can be used for um, the spreading of Christianity throughout the known world at the time.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really striking. Just uh, I read this. I've been reading this book called *Becoming the Gospel* by Michael J. Gorman, and he kind of makes the point that um, Paul just doesn't. He doesn't just hear the gospel. He doesn't just believe it. He um, what's the title? He he becomes it. It his life is completely changed and fused with this mission. Um, It's not something he, like, just gives, like, an intellectual assent to or he agrees with. It's every um, fiber and detail and heartbeat is given over to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I'm sure there are, um, there would have been people, other followers of the way, who were kind of like, really, this guy, one, persecuted us, and two... He doesn't, um, he doesn't represent the same things that we do politically. Um, like, this. People's asking, like, oh, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Like, this is, this is a politically diverse and clashing movement. And I think that's a lesson. I feel that's a lesson to us now.
1: Yeah. Um, but in his devotion, I mean, he, he wrote half the New Testament. Um, and so that's so much scripture that's set, meant for us. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he wrote these letters to these churches way back when, it still applies to us today. Um, and so I think that's such a powerful thing: is that he dropped his old life completely, mm-hmm. changed his name, and really just went forth and was like, "This is what I'm going to do." The true definition of "take up your cross and follow me." Yeah. I mean, he just embodies what we should be doing as Christians.
0: Yeah, and kind of if you if you doubt if you doubt my transformation that's doubting Jesus's absolute power to transform a life.
1: Right. Cuz and this is, goes very Lutheran, very fast. I love it. The I love amount it. how of, many uses of the law <laughs> yeah, with the amount of God's grace that is just thrown into the story mm-hmm. and how he's like, "I don't care what you did as Saul and what you did in your past. Here you are right now. You're mine. Let's do this." Like Paul wrote while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Mm -hmm. and so it's just kind of I'm gonna push forward and this is like a life-changing moment
0: yeah and he you know the there is um like some church circles like push back on the sinners thing but for me that's been really that's really comforting to name what I feel is like uh, well um our but you know my nature And say that um, Jesus has absolute power within that, Um, and it isn't just that. You know the the change that the change doesn't erase. The change does erase a lot of it, but it's it's Jesus saying, um, it isn't just you're more than the worst thing you've ever done. It's that God can redeem even whatever that worst thing. Whatever that worst thing is, God can redeem it, and God will use it for God's purposes, so buckle up.
1: And that's comforting for us, too, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, whether we are on that side of, of Saul where we've done something that we deem unforgivable or just so bad that we can never be accepted back, or it's just like we're just caught in a rut, we're not really, like, in our daily lives communicating with God, having that relationship, no matter where we are, and it goes back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, point that we made with with Saint Philip is that where we no matter where we are in our life, like the grace is abounding and the grace is there to take care of us, and as long as we are pursuing a relationship with God with Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter what we did.
0: Yeah, I think the I think this comes up in. Pastoral care or conversations with people who are, you know, sorting out their relationship to Christianity. There's it's a very common presumption that um, It's good people getting better not Sinners saying Jesus heal me. Yeah um, And I think the cultural church, yeah, the cultural church has put a little bit of work into making that to making that be um, the cultural church is bad PR but the more we talk about like our own stories of feeling God's grace, um, overcoming our overcoming our own brokenness, like that, that is what changes people's lives. Yeah, because
1: not everybody needs to have this like amazing conversion story, like Saint Paul, like mm-hmm. these other people who were just like at rock bottom, just like having this this terrible time. It can be. I was at vacation bible school and like it just suddenly clicked i like what this jesus guy has to say i want to be a part of it yeah your conversion story no matter where you come from is equally as important no matter like how huge it was or how little it was
0: yeah and you are getting you are getting all of that you get that same grace i mean you may not (laughs) you can have you can absolutely have like this kind of paul conversion that is that is available to you and that is coming for you. But you can also, like what you're saying, it can just be, it can just be realization, it can be acceptance. It can look a variety of ways. Um, the, the whole um, there's so many people that are great test cases for like, well, I've done this. like can does God still love me? Exhibit A, David. let's go through the rest of the exhibits (laughs) right (laughs) moses yeah yeah it's not a it's a rogues gallery it's not um it's not a hall of fame
1: and 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 it's comforting to know that like no no matter what we do we are still loved Um, and and god just no matter what wants us to to look to him so that we can do better to live for him and so it's it's kind of amazing in this way that he takes somebody that's just like so hateful towards him in a way because mm-hmm. uh, even though he's he's jewish and it's the same god uh, he's hateful towards jesus which is a part of god and so speaking against god the father in a way and he's still saying like i accept you and i want you to to be there for me or and it, so it's it's awesome
0: well, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like all are welcome and all are yeah, maybe it becomes all are welcome, all are sent. Yeah. Um like <laughs> I love you. I um even even after everything you have done, Saul, you are you are mine, and then it becomes we've we've got a plan for this. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh you've got some things to do.
1: And I think that's part of the political situation there is he knows he can't stay. Um In Jerusalem, so mm-hmm. he leaves, and that's where he starts to go forth and spread the the church around uh the known world um and he's on his way,
0: yeah, like how do you deal with like public versus private faith if you are um saul slash paul uh so he's in the he's in he's with the disciples at Damascus, and in the synagogues immediately he proclaimed Jesus saying he is the Son of God, and all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called on his name? And he has come here for this purpose, to bring them down before the chief priests. Um, but in the face of that accusation, you know, Saul, it says Saul increased all the more in strength and proved that Jesus was the Christ.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they plot to kill him, so he's kind of got to go.
1: Yeah, but I mean that's the, the proof that like no matter what we face, like, God is on our side and God will mm-hmm. take care of us.
0: I also I'm looking at verse 25 and seeing like a uh, a parallel back to the Rahab story. They let him down over the wall, lowering him in a basket. Yeah. God's got a common modus operandi.
1: <laughs> He's like, here, this worked before. Let's let's do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what? um Let's talk more about conversion stories. Like what? What do you? what do you hear like in talking with in talking with people what do you hear like the false we had talked about the kind of false idea like every conversion story is this dramatic but it can be Mm -hmm. Um, what what do you hear in people talking about how God has changed their life that sort of sounds sounds like the conversion story here
1: I feel like a lot of the common theme for for people my age is there is a point in time where we've left the church mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason it may be, um, and it's trying to find a way back in that mm-hmm. makes us comfortable. And a lot of it is kind of self found, yeah. Um, instead of like trying different places, um, and I know for me, um, I grew up Southern Baptist, and I found salvation when I was twelve, mm-hmm. um, but there was a period of time through. High school um where I just didn't go to church at all. Um and it was kind of exhausting to, to go and the messages that were there. A lot of the messages were good, but it was very like in your face, like you must repent at all times or like salvation is not going to be attainable for you kinda of hellfire and brimstone stuff. And that's not That's hard to hear. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not the gospel that I really wanted to hear. And I, mm-hmm. I know that like God is a vengeful God and God is a wrathful God, but he's also a loving and a caring God. And mm-hmm. I think he Is more of that than vengeful and wrathful. Um, Then he shows that on the cross. Uh, So it's it's for us. I think it's finding like our own groups of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know for me that was the fraternity that I was in here at Auburn, um, Legacy Brotherhood. Um, And it was a group of guys that were just very faith based and very like welcoming and comforting. And that kind of got me in back into. Church and, mm-hmm. and finding my way there, and then finding the Episcopal Church um, in, in my latter part of, of college, and kind of finding that ministry that really does preach about God's love and is very welcoming. It was like, we don't care that you haven't been to church in years, we don't care about like where you fall into this sin and where you come from, and that we want you here. We want to help you find that relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. and we want to push you forward and help you grow spiritually.
0: Yeah amen to that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's really common in talking in like stories of faith or or talking about just how to relate to churches this like idea of seeking and you know research and and find a place and I, I don't want to I don't want to uh, dismiss or downplay that cuz I know a lot of people have Really powerful stories, and they they sort of need that that sort of intellectual exploration first. But it is, I think, this passage makes a clear case: like it is also available to you if you do not look for it. God, God will come find you. Oh, definitely. God, God will come find you. Um, so even if if all of these things start to feel futile or not um, or aren't if the search, the idea of like Searching and looking and finding a match is not futile and is futile and doesn't feel as useful to you like Just wait God's coming for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the good thing is like God finds you at your best and God finds you at your worst mm-hmm. um, And I think a lot of times we do kind of have the more experience and God finds you at your worst mm-hmm. uh, more than anything and so like you just you look for it and sometimes it's just um, there's a podcast that's called free mustard seeds and it's a, a Catholic priest out of um I think Michigan um and this really goes into his advent series that he had a couple years ago but it was his advent mission was finding daily comings of the Holy Spirit in your life and Ooh. so just like something that was like really good for that day or something that was not so great but then kind of like transformed into something that was really useful I mean that's something that the daily spirit the, the Holy Spirit is working out daily Mm-hmm. and so kind of looking for those things that are are just kind of maybe minute maybe huge and just kind of turn your life around for that day or just was like that was a really good thing and that was because of, like Christ was working in my life you know <laughs> and so i think that's a good not only in like an advent mission but just mm-hmm. an everyday thing to be just aware of of the holy spirit working in your life day to day
0: yeah i've been i've been praying the ignatian examen more in a time when in some ways, I I'm having less new experiences with this um, physical distancing and uh, you know limited limited mobility thing. That surprises me because I I think I've in the past I've used it to sort of like pray my way through um, a trip or a life stage like. Moving to Auburn, like a life stage with a lot of change and mm-hmm. energy, and it it has surprised me the like the beautiful moments that I have overlooked any other day that I am seeing now, and just the strange the strange beauty of the Holy Spirit there, like you know.
1: Yeah, because one one of the overwhelming like things for the Holy Spirit with me is was trying to find where to go for graduate school, mm-hmm. like auditioning at all these places. And there for a while it was like, all these doors were just closing and closing and closing. And I was like, this is really bad. Like what am I doing? And it was like, what? Cause I had two paths that I wanted to go and I had a huge interest in choral conducting, but I also had a huge uh, interest in opera. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of finding that way of where do I go? And a lot of those doors for choral conducting were just closing and closing and closing. And I was like, okay. Um, and one opened, and that was Indiana. And I was like, "Okay, this is where I need to be. This is mm-hmm. where I need to go. And I need to pursue it like wholeheartedly and fully with with all I have, because this is the the place that God's guiding me to go to."
0: Yeah, like the the path emerged. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like our own our own human control will not will not bring us uh, to what we want. Yeah,
1: because I, I I knew what I thought I wanted. And it was kinda of like, nope, that's not what I want for you. So you need to go do this because it's gonna be better for you. And I was like, Okay, that, that works. That's the answer I needed.
0: Yeah. And I think like I got I got what I thought I wanted is a pretty devastating sentence. Yeah. Like thinking about like the what is it? The um oh Ernest Hemingway and the sad six word short story, like, what is it, baby shoes never you never worn. Yeah. Um, I got what I thought I wanted is a pretty sad sentence. Yeah. All right. So this has been really fun. Philip, thank you for having this conversation with me. If if anyone is listening and would like to continue the conversation, email me at gail at holytrinitychurch.info. I'll share it with Philip and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a blessed day, y'all, and shoot us an email and tell us what God's doing in your life. Hope to hear from you.